0: I'm really excited tonight to uh, share with you, and I'm excited for the people who are going to help me share tonight. Uh, Tracy is my assistant, and uh, so... Um, some of the elders know she is who runs Crossroads. So the reality is Crossroads. Okay, uh, we Thanks, said that right? last night at the elders meeting, yeah. right, right, Carrie? And nobody disagreed. So yeah, yeah. And then Noah is, uh, we've known each other for years and years and years, one of the most incredible pastors I know, uh, a heart for God. And uh, he leads out in our Spanish ministry right now, which by the way, is in the midst of revival. Uh, I am going so, so good. And then Joey uh, is on staff with us, one of our pastors, and he leads out in uh, our local outreach and uh, uh, is just a brilliant, brilliant guy. And then Natalie's here tonight and she's Bill's girlfriend. (laughs) Uh, Official since November, but no. But you go to CBU, right? Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah, CBU, so
0: yeah, and uh, all the time, whenever Natalie, some of you would already know this, whenever we have a camera on and Natalie's on stage, people comment, who is she, who is she, who is she? So now that's who she is, Natalie. (laughs) So uh, super excited, but we're in a series on the names of God, and names are incredibly special. Um, Like ever since uh, I met Pam, whenever I hear the name Pam, I want to instantly like whoever's name that is, uh, because Pam has defined that name for me in a very special way, and I'll never forget that when my uh, when when Pam was pregnant with Rich, uh, our our son, uh, that what happened is we began to say, "What are we going to name him?" Because naming your child's a big deal. I think everybody would agree, and and we wanted it to be very special, and so what happened is we came up with an agreement of what to name him. And what we wanted to do is name him Charles Richard Boer II after my father. Pam and I believe that my dad was one of the most incredible men we've ever met and know. She loved my dad. My dad loved her. And so we wanted to honor him. So we had the big reveal one night. We're sitting at a family dinner. And uh, in this moment, um, we, we let him know we're gonna have a boy. And oh my gosh, my mom and dad got so excited. Their first grandchild's gonna be a boy. And then my dad said, what are you gonna name him? And I looked my dad in the eye and I said, Matthew, which means gift from God. And my dad goes, that's a great name. And he got all excited about it. Now, I was lying. I I, I just flat out was lying, but didn't feel bad about it at all. And so what happened is the whole time the days are coming for Rich to be born, he believes his name will be Matthew. I told the nurses what I was doing. And so they got in on it with me and where normally it would be, you know, a, a little tiny card with the child's name. They, the nurses got a big card with Charles Richard Boer II. Aww. But what happened is Pam's labor was um, scary and Pam and the baby Rich almost died, like they almost died. We almost lost them. I, I won't go into everything, but I called my mom and dad and I said, I don't know if Pam's going to make it. I don't know if... if you're going to have a grandchild. So they're rushing down as fast as they can. They're praying the whole time. In the midst of it, um, Rich is delivered and he's healthy. By the way, Pam ends up going to be okay. But she had a lot of recovery to go through. And so my mom and dad come down. They're so scared. They're so not sure what to do. And, and my dad, I said to my dad, the first thing was, is Pam okay? Is Pam okay? And I said, yeah. And then I said, Dad, come on. And, and, and we walked over and we stood at the glass next to the nursery. And uh, my dad looked down at his grandson, and he just starts to cry. Mm. He's okay, he's okay. And I go, Dad, did you see his name? Mm. He he didn't even know the name yet. Mm. And he looked at that big card, and he looked at me. And my dad hardly ever cried, but he lost it. Mm. Mm. And in that moment, that name became even more special. And uh, there's something about the child's name that is so incredible. Joe, you, uh, you, you've named all three of your children for a special reason. Yeah, yeah. We have three kids, uh, River, Everest, and Elowin. And they are all named after the different natural pictures of the Trinity. River, the Spirit, mm-hmm. Everest, the Mountain, which is the Father, and Eloin, which is Elm Tree, which is the tree with wow. his Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, which I think is so cool. And then you told me, because of that, you can't have a fourth time. Yeah, we're allowed to Yeah, no it's more. just that, that no sealed no the deal right there, yeah. Because <laughs> there's, there's only the Trinity, and you can't go one more. Yeah, we're not polygamy, you know, yeah. yeah. Uh, your children, tell your, the, your kids' names and why you named them.
1: So we have Selah, our firstborn, Nehemiah, and Jaden. Uh, Selah means to pause and reflect. It mm. was a reminder for us to be present when mm. she was born. And Nehemiah is one of my favorite leaders in the Old Testament, and we named him that because we prayed that he'd be a leader. And Jaden's just special. Yeah, yeah, oh isn't. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, I, and I love that. I love that that's cool. See, the thing about it is, God's names are special to us. And you know, that's one of the things that I want to tell you, I'm hoping this series helps all of us on, is that we've, we've lost the specialness of the name of God. And yet, if you were to read the Bible in Hebrew, if you were to read the Bible in Greek, the name of the Lord becomes incredible and important. And we've shared with you in this series this, that God wants you to know his name. But God is actually known Uh, He's actually known by 950 names and titles in the Bible. So he reveals all those. Why does he do that? So not only you'll know him, you'll know his character. And you'll know how he interacts with you in your life. And his main name, the name Yahweh. I am that I am, the ever present one, is used 6,828 times in the New Testament, or in the Old Testament, not in the New Testament, in the Old Testament. So if you were reading the Hebrew Bible 6,828 times, that name would come and that name would be important to you. And then what happened is God gave us what we call compound meanings of that name. So we get the name Yahweh, and as Craig taught so well, Craig did such an amazing job, we begin to see uh, the the meaning of that name when it's like Yahweh Jirah or Jehovah Jirah, because Yahweh could be either Jehovah or Yahweh. But the idea is that he's the provider at that point. And so God wants you to know he's our provider. And now we get to one of, I think, one of my favorite names of God. And if, if tonight, I think a lot of you are going to go, really? But as we go through it, I think you're going to go, no, no, it's an amazing name of God. And it's the name Yahweh Nisai or Yahweh Nisi. It could be either one. And, and I think about this name a lot. I pray this name a lot. I, I think about what it means to us. See, the whole idea of Nisai, the word Nisai actually means banner. Mm-hmm. It's a big banner. Now, if you were going into battle back in those days, they would have a banner that you marched under. And that banner signified what military group you belonged to and who were your comrades within it. And so the idea is when you saw that banner, it would be like, yes, that's where I belong. That's where I'm supposed to be. And it's not only the idea of belonging, it's the idea of protection. So the word Yahweh Nisi or Yahweh Nisai has the idea is God is my protector. God is my protector. And I love that God gives us that. And then also something else, God is the one who gives us victory. So he's our, the one we belong to. He's the one who is loyal to us and committed to us. And then he's our protector. And then the other thing about it is, is that he's the one who gives us victory. So whenever that banner flew, you knew you were going to be victorious. You knew you were going to win. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, with the Super Bowl coming, when you see the Rams flag, you know there's a victory coming. Okay, I'm the only one. <laughs> There you go. All right, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's the thing I want you to know um, Noah and Joey and I have talked about this with our other pastors. Is we, I think, all share, I'm, I'm, I think I'm right, that we all share a common concern uh, because of care, because of love for, for people, a part of the Crossroads family that aren't living a victorious life. See, we're going to have struggles, we're going to have battles, we're going to have hard times. But God has made you to be more than a what? More than a conqueror. He didn't make you to be a victim. God never in his design said he made you to be a victim. He made you to be a victor. Mm. Uh, As a matter of fact, that's the heritage we have. So in Isaiah 54 verse 17, it says this. It says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises up against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. So, so that is your heritage. That's your promise that you're you're gonna rise up, you're gonna win. You may go through a hard time, you may face a challenge. But you know what God already promised you? That thanks, it actually says this in 2 Corinthians, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Jesus Christ. Not sometimes. Yeah, praise God for that. So, right now, if you're battling an issue, if you have a problem, guess what you're about to have if you're a Christian? A victory. And you can call out for the victory. You can believe in the victory. Now, I, this gets really, okay, I'm getting super excited. More than, well, I think Noah and I might be on this one here. Joey, you, maybe you too. We're about to go to the Legacy Standard Bible. Let's take a moment. Oh, <laughs> Why? It's a brand new version, a brand new version with the goal of being the most accurate English version to the original language that's ever been produced. And I think it may be. I think it may be. So we're going to read that passage and now in the legacy standard version. And here's what it says in legacy. It says, no weapon that is formed against you will succeed. And every tongue that accused you in judgment, you will condemn. Look at the neck part. Get excited. This is the inheritance of the slaves of Yahweh. Now, remember, I told you 6,800 times Yahweh is used. Now you get to see it being used. This is that holy name of God. This is the name of God you call out to in victory. And this is what the slaves of Yahweh and their righteousness is from me declares Yahweh. So Yahweh is saying to you, I will give you my righteousness. Yahweh is saying to you, if you're my slave, then what that means is you are under my protection. Now, please, please go with me on this. Slavery in the Old Testament, slavery in Israel was not American slavery. Very, very different. Uh, To be a slave, you would have to to be sold into slavery for six years and no longer. And then according to Exodus 21, at the end of six years, You were free. All your debts were paid. Your master had to give you enough money to go live on. He had to make sure you had a way to to move and go to the next level. And and you know what? You could say, I don't want to do it. I want to stay your slave. And that was called the bond slave. And to be a bond slave, Exodus 21 says, you have to clearly say, I love my master. You would go to their version of the court, and you would say, I never, ever want to leave you. I always want to be under you. I want you to own me. I love you. And you had to plainly say, I love you. And based on love, you became a slave for life. Now, here's what was cool about that. That meant your master was, so, his job was to protect you, provide for you, to, to make sure you were comforted and cared for. If you got sick, they made sure you got some kind of medical aid. It's called working for the government. No, not really. Oh. <laughs> no, no. So it's very different than what we think about when we think of slavery. It was a, are you ready for this? It was a love relationship, but a belonging. See, back then, you ready? A servant worked for you, a slave belonged to you. A servant is someone you paid and then you could be rid of. A slave was someone you had a responsibility to care for. And so when we're under Yahweh Nisi, he is the one we're a slave to out of love, but that means that he loves us, he's committed to us, he takes care of us, and and in reality, we're in his family. Uh, because that, that bond slave then became a part of the family. And so what God wants you to know is that he wants to have that heritage with you where he leads you in victory that way. And that's God's great desire. And that's what God wants to have occur for you. And by the way, the most accurate translation of the word servant is the word slave. It's a Hebrew word ebed, which means a slave by choice, a slave by choosing out of love. And so that's what happens. Now, here's what you need to understand. When you belong to the Lord and his banner is over you, then the the teaching of that word, the understanding of Yahweh Nisi, that name, is that number one, you have ultimate security. Uh, you have ultimate security. Why? Because you belong to him and he belongs to you. By the way, it's a two-way commitment. You know, we talk a lot about the idea, are you ready to commit your life to Jesus Christ? Are you ready for this? Jesus is ready to commit himself to you. He'll be more committed to you than you are to him. And and, and so the idea you would have ultimate, ultimate security. Uh, Job had that. And, and Satan comes and says to God, I can't get to Job. Why? Because he's under your protection. And in Job chapter one, it says this. And Satan answered Yahweh and said, does Job fear God without cause? Have you not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? And you have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions and have increased and have increased in the land. He said, you know why Job's being blessed? Because he belongs to you. And uh, by the way, I love that term there. He hedged about you. He hedged about. There's a whole theology on the hedge. Uh, praying a hedge of protection, uh, which I would love to get into, and Craig, you and I will do that later. We're going to teach you guys how to pray for a hedge of protection over you, over your family, over your kids, over your friends. Yeah, Dave, you're all excited too. Yeah, and and we need to be doing that. But God, God, because Job belonged to him, had put a hedge of protection about him. Now, for a time, he's going to remove it, but he'll put it back. But the idea is this, that when he's Yahweh Nisi, then what happens is he's the one who brings the hedge of protection to you. He is your protector. Why? Because you belong to him. Well, uh, we were sitting in a, a study session on this. We had get together and study about it. And Craig brought up the idea. He said, do you guys understand the thing about these corgi dogs? And I was like, what corgi dogs? And he said, yeah, the Queen of England owns corgi dogs. So Tracy being Tracy in the middle of it starts researching it. And we got blown away by it.
2: Yes. The queen's corgis are like a thing, and we, I didn't know that, but I think we have a picture to show you guys. This is, yeah, yeah these are corgi dogs, and Vanity Fair actually did a spread <laughs> on the queen's dogs, but I googled it, and I there's like a whole Wiki, uh, Wikipedia page on it, and I think we're going to show you guys the Wikipedia page, too. Yeah, so this is like a thing, the royal corgis, and it says... Um, The corgis enjoy a privileged life in Buckingham Palace. They reside in a room developed to their habitation known as the corgi room. They sleep in an elevated wicker basket, and the queen tends to the corgis in the kennel herself. It's like a big deal that the queens do this. And so we're sitting there like, wow, these corgis are living better than most
0: humans <laughs> yeah. yeah so what blew you and I away is number one they have their own bed yeah. uh, but it's a special bed that the English tax payers pay for and uh, uh, I'm doing a lot of government jokes and no one's laughing um, but the other thing about it is they only are fed by the queen yeah mm. so everybody waits on the queen but who does the queen wait on her corgis mm. you talk about spoiled dogs by the way, how much do you think those dogs are worth? Well, prior to the Queen of England owning them, I don't know. But the minute they belong to the Queen of England, are you ready? They're priceless. Mm-hmm. They, they, they're, there's no value. You cannot buy them. You, if someone kidnapped them, you know, you know, they would you know, have, have ransom. Um, where I'm going is, what does it come down to? Who do the dogs belong to? Mm-hmm. And because they belong to the queen, they're living the best life ever. By the way, because you belong to the king, you should be living the best life ever. And and that's where the whole idea of Yahweh Nisi comes in. And we begin to see that. One of the places we see this incredibly is in Song of Solomon. Mm -hmm. Song of Solomon is the story of Solomon, who was the king, uh, 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 the son of David and the king. By the way, the richest king who's ever lived. The wisest man outside of Jesus who ever lived. And what happened is Solomon ends up falling in love with this girl. And they end up moving through their courtship and getting married. And the whole story is told in Song of Solomon. And I want to give you a quick synopsis of it so you can understand where we're going. Uh, The girl we know is this. Uh, Something happened to her father. Either her father died, which is the most likely scenario. Or uh, for some reason he left the family. But when he did... He left them with no money whatsoever. And her father never did what he was supposed to do, which is arrange for her marriage. Now, it may be he just died and wasn't able to do it, but it more likely was the family was so poor, nobody wanted to marry her because there would not be a dowry involved. And so, you know, back then it was a financial arrangement as much as a a marital arrangement. And so this girl has brothers and she's the only daughter. And she grows up with no one making sure she would find the right man one day to marry. And then her brothers do something horrible. They make her start working the vineyard. No woman worked the vineyard back then. And as she began to work the vineyard, she was isolated there was, and she was in a place she would never, ever have a hope to meet a guy who would marry her. On top of that, the sun was damaging her because back then, having tanned skin would make you less attractive. And of course, the hard work in the vineyard would make her hands rough. and make. Every, so she's losing her looks. She's in a place of isolation. She had to feel incredibly alone. She said her brothers are being mean to her. There's some form of abuse going on. And then one day, Solomon rides into that vineyard. He happened to own it. And he lays eyes on her, and in that moment, he falls in love with her. By the way, that's a love at first sight moment. He sees her, and he's like, she's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And so he gets to know her. And, and there's this girl who thought she had no hope of ever meeting the right guy, who gets invited to Solomon's palace. But when she gets to the palace, the other women see her as a threat, Because Solomon loves her, they see her as a threat, and they also can't understand why someone who looked like her would ever be invited there. And they begin to attack her. And they actually come up with a plot to try to get her to embarrass herself so that she'll get kicked out. And Solomon finds out about it. And what happens is he makes it known that she's the girl he loves. He makes it known that she's his and no one's to mess with her. And then she makes this incredible statement. And uh, Natalie, I've asked you to read it for us. Uh, Look what it says right here.
2: I am dark but beautiful, a woman of Jerusalem. Dark as the tents of Keter, dark as the curtains of Solomon's tents. Don't stare at me because I am dark. The sun has darkened my skin. My brothers were angry with me. They forced me to care for their vineyards, so Mm -hmm. I couldn't care for myself, my own vineyard.
0: So in that moment, she says to him, why are you guys doing that to me? Why are you staring at me that way? Why are you isolating me? Why are you attacking me? By the way, will will women do that to other women? Oh, yeah. Will girls do that to other girls? Yep. Yeah. And so there's no doubt that's what was going on. So then Solomon makes the statement, she's mine, she's mine. But notice how she terms that statement. And it's in the next verse. Watch this.
2: He has brought me to his banquet hall and his banner over me is love.
0: Did you catch the idea this is knee side? The banner Mm -hmm. over me is love. It's like what happened is she walked into the banquet hall and there's this big sign that says Solomon loves the Shulamite. That's what mm-hmm. she was called. Solomon loves you. It's kind of like if you were to walk into maybe our, our fellowship hall or our packing house and there's this big sign that says Bill loves Natalie. Oh oh that would be happy. That would be fun. That would be kind of cool, huh? Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, you would want Bill to proclaim his love to you that way, yeah. right?
2: Yeah, and he's very sweet and tells me all the time, so Aww. I'm grateful that he's just so humble and sweet and tells me that. Yeah, see, I love
0: that, too. Yeah, if you haven't caught it in your online, this church loves love. We love love. <laughs> but, but here's the thing, I think, that, you know, you guys are still early in your relationship, yeah. but there's this feeling of belonging that mm-hmm. makes you feel different, right?
2: Yeah, it is. It's really special. Like, um, I was sharing with you earlier, but even... Well, Bill has been praying for his future wife for a while, and so I've been praying for my future husband. And for six months before we actually started dating, he prayed for me every day for an hour. And his prayer was that the Lord would either change my heart to love him or to change his heart. Um, And I thought that was so beautiful and so intentional. And even now in our relationship, has just brought so much um, peace of like, he has chosen me and I've chosen him. So, yeah, that's beautiful.
0: See, I think it's beautiful too. When you were telling us, Tracy almost cried over the idea that he, he would go on prayer walks and pray for Natalie. Mm-hmm. That, that is like, he's a great, well, you, wait till you guys meet Bill. You'll love Bill, but I think that's cool. Very sweet. The Bible teaches that we see Jesus in different ways.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We see Jesus, number one, uh, in being revealed as Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. Uh, we see Jesus uh, without a doubt uh, in the church. Uh, and the way the church interacts together. But one way we see Jesus in a very clear way, according to the Bible, is in a Christian marriage. Mm -hmm. Where a husband loves a wife the way he's supposed to, and the wife loves the husband. It's a way of shining out. We also see Jesus uh, through the creation he made. But I want to go to this. See, when you guys have that kind of relationship, it's a picture, it's supposed to be a picture of Jesus in the church, and the way we are in love with Jesus, and the way Jesus is in love with us. And the way that the church is protected by Jesus, mm-hmm. his bride. Yeah. See, the idea that he is the Jehovah Nisai, the, the, the Yahweh Nisai, the one who watches over, is how it, what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, I know this for you, you know, we all love you. And if Bill doesn't treat you right, then he's in trouble, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, uh, but we want that protection to be there, that idea that he would care for you mm-hmm. and really treasure you. And see, that's what this means, In Song of Solomon, Solomon steps up and protects her and becomes her banner. And it's like he shines the banner over her and says, you know what, in this moment, you need to know, don't mess with her ever again. And you know what happens in Song of Solomon? All the girls change their tune. Now they begin to help her. Now they begin to do whatever they can for her. Now they begin to sing her praises. Why? Because Solomon makes her special. Please don't miss where I'm going. When he's Yahweh Nisi, Yahweh Nisai, he's the one who makes you feel special. Mm -hmm. You're in a world that does everything it can for most of us to not make us feel special. Mm. But you know what the Lord does? He wants you to know you're special to him. By name, by choice, by commitment, Remember, he's more committed to you than even you are to him. And he wants you to be aware of that and know that. And he wants it for you. So when you have Yahweh Nisai, in a relationship with God as Yahweh Nisai, you have ultimate security. But you also have something else. You have ultimate victory. We started with that. The Lord wants you not only to have ultimate security that you're special, you're cared for, you're loved, uh, uh, he, you have a belonging with him. He wants you to know the ultimate victory that comes with that. Uh, And that's where the name is actually used the most clearly. What happened is the children of Israel came to a place called Rephidim. And when they came to Rephidim, they, they were so thirsty, they thought they would die. And there was no water there. They were traveling through this desert wilderness with no water, no water, no water. And they finally get to Rephidim and they can't go any further. And it's a parched land with no water whatsoever. And then God tells Moses to do a miracle. He said, take the rod, take the rod of God and go and strike the rock. And he does, and water flows out and a parched land becomes an oasis. By the way, it's worth doing a pause here, a parentheses moment. If you're feeling kind of like your life is dry, like you're withering, like you can't make it, God will turn that into a time of being an oasis for you. And God wants you to know he can do that for you and will do that for you. And he'll be your provider that way. So what happens is the water flows, the land becomes amazing. And then the, the children of Amalek hear about it and they decide they're going to go kill the Israelites to take the water. Uh, so all of a sudden they have an enemy who, who's out for them, who's gunning for them, who wants to get to them. And the Amalekites, by the way, are the children of Amalek, were descendants of Esau. Remember there's a prophecy that Esau and Jacob's children would always battle each other. And now the Amalekites are going to be fulfilling that as they come to try to rob them of the water and take their land and even take their lives. And then all of a sudden it happens. It happens. Moses reaches out to a young guy who no one had ever heard of. His name was Joshua. It's the first time he's ever mentioned in all the Bible. Uh, and, And Moses appoints this young guy to be the leader of the army that's going to fight the Amalekites and bring the victory. And they go into battle. And when they go into battle, they're not winning. When they go into battle, they're being taken. The Amalekites are way too strong. But Moses goes up onto the mountain and raises his hands in the air. And the minute his hands go up, they begin to have the victory. And he stands there over them with his hands of blessing and protection stretched out. But just like what happened to Tyler, the hands began to drop. Now, here's the thing that goes, as soon as Moses' hands go down, the Israelites start to lose the battle against the Amalekites, which means, by the way, people are dying. Aren't you glad tonight that if you dropped your hands, people didn't start dying all around the room? That'd be a pretty, yeah. It'd be a big YouTube story. But anyway. Um, So what happens is Aaron and a man named Hur, H-U-R, go and start to hold his hands into the air. But that gets too hard for them too. So eventually they move a rock underneath and he sits down and they hold his hands. Because as long as his hands were in the air, as long as his hands were in a place like that, what happened in that moment is that they would continue to win the battle. And this would become their Yahweh Nisi moment, their Yahweh Nisai moment. And look what it says in Exodus chapter 17. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then Yahweh said to Moses, Write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua, recite it in Joshua's hearing. Notice God's pointing Joshua out in a special way that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And then it goes on to say this. And Moses built an altar and named it Yahweh is my banner, or Yahweh Nisi, or Yahweh Nisi. And he said, because he has sworn with a hand upon the throne of Yah, Yahweh, We'll have war against Amalek from generation to generation. In other words, what is that saying? God will fight the battle for you. God will take on the enemy for you. God will be the banner you come under. See, if right now you were in the army and you were being attacked, 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 and you looked out and saw the banner of the command of the group you belong to coming towards you, you would know help is coming. And if it was a group that had never lost, you would know you're about to be protected. You're about to have victory. And that's why when you and I pray and you're at a time where you're thinking, Lord, I don't know how, if I can make it. People are against me. I'm not sure what to do. You could say, be Yahweh Nisai, be Yahweh Nisi for me. When you're sitting and looking at financial problems, you're not sure how to how to step out and say, Lord, be Yahweh Nisai. Put me under your banner. Uh, when you're feeling like people don't care about you, people don't see you, that you don't have belonging, you actually call on the name of Yahweh Nisi or Yahweh Nisai and say, I want you, I want you, I want you to be my banner. And we need that. But don't miss this. Yahweh would not be their banner if there wasn't community going on. Now, don't, you got to follow me here. Moses only brought the victory when there were other people with him so he could hold his hands in the air. In other words, he couldn't do it on his own. And God on purpose was calling out this, I, I can intercede, but I want to do it as you gather together. Uh, Noah and, and Joey have been with me through some pretty tough times. And uh, these two guys, they, they held up my hands. Mm-hmm. There was a time here at Crossroads that was really tough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I could count on them for that. And, and you guys, without going into all the details, know that. And, you know, one of the things I wonder, Noah, is why, why did you stay with us? Why did you stick with me through it?
1: I think that... Um... In the midst of, you talked about the, the banner, right? And I think that when people were at war and they, they were confused and lost a sense of direction, that banner was a focal point. And I think that in those moments, the Lord was at for me to keep my head above everything else that was going on because we needed supernatural power in that moment. Yeah. You know, to, um, to be able to uh, really help us overcome. And I believed in your leadership and I knew that mm-hmm. there, were, there was a, an attack from the enemy. You know, and Satan tried to creep in, and the Lord was our banner during that time. Yeah,
0: Yeah. and, uh, you know, I've always treasured the fact that, um, just so you know, there were people texting Noah and trying to meet with Noah and talking to Noah, trying to recruit him away um, from Crossroads, but also to get Noah to turn on me. And uh, you know what I always knew? I always knew Noah had my back. And I always knew he'd hold my hands up. And I always knew he'd be there for me in those moments. And man, that kind of brotherhood and friendship is why I think I can call it to Yahweh Nisai because I have someone like you or Joey who will be there with me in those kind of times. And, and see, we all need to be together like that. Uh, we need to be that way. By the way, I hope you, I didn't set him up. I didn't, so be totally honest. Do you feel like I'm holding your arms up sometimes too? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good. So you can get a raise. But anyway, no, I'm good. No. No, I Noah has been stellar in the ministry he does here, but I hope he would know that I always have his back. And Joy, I hope you know I always have you back. And and um by the way, I'll tell you someone who holds my arms up constantly is Tracy. Uh, there's so many times uh, things have gotten, in this, this last two years, it got really hard. Mm-hmm. And you know what is, and truthfully, behind the scenes, how many times she's, she's rescued me out of situations or or, or looked me in the eye and said, do you really want to do that? Or a couple times, do you really want to say that? Because <laughs> you don't want to say that. <laughs> and, but, but you know why? Because I, I knew she would, she would be there too in that moment. And, and where I'm going, there, you might, might see why. So you're not going to have the victory unless you have other people in your life to help hold up your hands. Amen. And we want to be a church that does that. By the way, all you who are online, We want to be a church that does that with you. That's why it's so important that you say, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to be committed. I'm going to to get to know people and and, and I'm going to share that way. Because even in this moment where he was declared Yahweh Nisai, it was in the midst of community. Mm -hmm. Moses had Joshua. Joshua had Moses. Moses had Aaron and her and, and you know what? The victory came because God said, I'm going to shine on that together. And you begin to see something special about God. God could be enough alone. By the list, don't miss this. God could be enough for you alone, but he on purpose isn't. Yeah. Mm. Adam and he had a perfect relationship, but who did Adam need? He needed Eve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a God-given design. Yeah. You need God. And you need others. And when you're facing challenges, when you're facing moments where you don't have the strength, you know what you need? God and other believers who are going to hold you up. And that's what this whole name means. That's what God wants you to know. That's how he wants you to be. And so, by the way, Psalm 46 says this. It says... God is a refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. By the way, don't miss this idea of present help. All you who have been in the study, what is I am that I am? What does Yahweh mean? The ever-present one. So when you're in the midst of trouble, where's God? Right with you in the midst of trouble. He's not God who's going to be there one day. He's the God who's with you right now. And you need to know that. And it says, therefore, because of that, we will not fear. Though the earth should change. Though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam. Though the mountains quake at its uh, lofty pride. And then, by the way, Noah, there you go. Selah. Selah. Which means take a pause and just experience the presence of God in an incredible way. So God wants to be your banner. God wants to give you the ultimate security. God wants to give you the ultimate uh, victory. But number three, don't miss this. Yahweh Nisai means he wants to give you the ultimate hope. He wants to give you the ultimate hope. So I'm about to take you to something that I cannot wait to share with you. It's in Psalm 60. Psalm 60. It's a very misunderstood psalm. And you're going to understand it tonight. All right. Tonight, you're gonna understand it, and it's really cool to understand it. So, this psalm is actually called get ready for this uh, a mictum. And so, in the, the introduction of the psalm, before we get to the psalm, it says, For the choir director, according to the mictum of David, to teach when he struggled. Now, by the way, don't miss this. This psalm is meant to teach you things when you're in the midst of a struggle. The psalm is meant to teach you things when things are hard. Uh, The psalm is meant to teach you things when you think you're losing. Because what happened is, this psalm was written when Aram Neharam and when Aram Zobah and Joab returned and smote 12,000 of Edom in the Valley of Salt. In other words, what happened? They were losing the battle. They were being beaten badly. They started to wonder, could we ever win? They thought about the time of Joshua. They thought about Moses' hands in the air. But they're not seeing the tide turn in their favor. And then something changes. God becomes their banner. He brings the victory. And so they wrote the psalm about it. And by the way, the psalm was called a mictum. So get ready. What's a mictum? A mictum is a musical term telling which kind of psalm this is. In other words, it's a style of music. All the psalms were songs, and they were written in different musical styles. So like in our day and time, some would be rap, some would be country, some would be love songs, and, you know, uh, or whatever. But by the way, the mictum was special because the word has the idea of sticking. Something that we will remember like a song that gets stuck in your mind. So why was a was Whenever you read, you're reading a mictum. The music was so catchy, you couldn't get it out of your head. Like it would just stay there. That's why we don't talk about Bruno.
1: <laughs>
0: okay, anybody else can't get that song out of their head? Yeah, all the parents of children are like, stop, you know. Yeah, but that... By the way, that's one of the catchiest songs ever. Number one Disney song of all time. Did you guys know that? Okay, but it would be in our our terminology, a mictum. Something that sticks in your head that you can't forget. And this psalm was that. Why? Because God wanted you never to forget that he would give you victory in the midst of the hardest struggle you're ever in. That's what he wants you to remember. So So he wants you to go to that and hang on to that. So what we're gonna do right now is look at the first four verses. It says... Oh God, you've rejected us. You've broken us. Why did he write that? Mm. He goes, because we were losing. Mm. We went into a battle we thought you wanted us to be in and it's not going well. Things are hard. Things are bad. Mm. My marriage gets, gets worse. Mm. Um, I'm trying to get out of financial disaster and my car broke down. Um, I just had my kids give me the worst news I could ever hear from them. And I, I got sick at a time I can't afford to be. This is one of those things. They said, we're losing, we're, we're losing. And it, it seems like you've broken us. And he goes, you've been angry, Oh, restore us. You have made the land quake. You have split it open. Heal its breaches for it shakes. So David said, come on, Lord, please. You gotta heal us. You gotta bring your healing to us. And he goes, you have caused your people to see hardship. You have given us wine to drink that causes reeling. You have given a banner to those who fear you in order to flee to it from the bow. And then Selah. By the way, I love that you're here. So here's what he's saying. David said in the midst of all that, what do I need? I need a banner to run to. When you're in your hardest time, you say, Yahweh Nisi, I I need to run to you. Yahweh Nisi, I need the banner to fly over me. Yahweh needs see, I need to see the victory come. By the way, God wants you to do that because then the victory is going to come. Then the victory is going to happen. And then it's going to take place. And God wants that to be something you experience in an incredible way. And so then the Psalm goes on to say this later. It says, through God, we shall do valiantly. And it is he who will tread down our adversaries. So, what he said is this. He said, I know that in the midst of this incredibly hard time, I know in the incredible difficult time, what's going to occur is God is going to bring the victory. And then it goes on to say this. It goes on to say, With God's help, we will do mighty things, for he will trample down our foes. Why? Because you're under his banner. It's a banner of belonging, it's a banner of protection. It's a place of ultimate security, a place of ultimate victory, and a place of ultimate hope. I know it to be true. I know it to be true that God is the one who causes all things to work together for good for those who love him. Amen. I, By the way, here's the, the fun thing of being my age. I'm the old guy in the room, okay? Get ready for lessons from an old man. I have never seen God fail when it came to that. Yeah,
1: Come
0: on. yeah and I, I've lived a while, you guys. He has stayed faithful, he has been faithful, and he always brings the victory. And uh, I think you guys who work with me would agree. Mm-hmm. By the way, Noah, even, and Joey, in those tough times, I still believe the victory was coming. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and, we, and by the way, we're, we're in the victory right now. Yeah. yeah, we're living it, man. You know, stuff you guys are doing uh, in local outreach mm-hmm. is mind-boggling to yeah. me. Uh, and, and the people were helping. So whenever something bad happens, because of God's word and because of my experience with them, I always wonder what miracle's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know what? The worse the situation, the harder the moment the more difficult the circumstance, are you ready? The bigger miracle's coming. The bigger miracle's coming. And that's what God does. He always does it. And he's Yahweh Nisai. So when you understand that's his name, he's saying to you, you know what? Are you having a hard time? Come under my banner. You got an enemy? Come under my banner. You you got you got problems? Come under my banner. And you know what? You're gonna do just what Psalm 60 said, you're gonna do valiantly. So when you read Psalm 60, here's what I don't want you to forget. They had just come off one of the worst defeats ever and they believed ahead of time and a victory would come and be theirs. And guess what it was? They ended up winning. Because you're ready, as a Christian, you'll never lose. Come on. You will never lose. And if you're not a Christian tonight, let me say something to you. Why why would you not come to a God who loves you like that? Amen. Who wants to commit himself to you? Who wants to give be loyal to you? Who wants to be the victor for you? Who wants to fight for you? Why not come to him? Some of you right now are in a time of hurting and pain. Come to the one who's going to bring a victory to you. Some of you right now are in a time of, of despair. Come to the one who's the only answer in reality to that despair. Some of you right now are in the midst of a, a time in your life where you're feeling empty or unsure. Do you know what? No, God is our rock, meaning he's, he's the one you could be firm with and firm on come be with Him. And if you're here tonight, either online or in the room, I'm going to ask you, if you're not in a committed relationship with the one who wants to be committed to you, then I'm going to ask you to make that commitment right now. And I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me where you can do that. Lord, I pray for people right now who need to do this. This whole time, I really think there's someone who's who needs right now to call out to you because they are in a family situation that is so painful and so bad and so hard. And tonight they they were hoping for hope and I hope they hear the hope. They were hoping for something that would make a difference and I hope they're hearing it right now. I pray they're gonna call out to you. Father, for somebody who they feel like, you know what, I, I, one time I was living for the Lord and I've done so many things so wrong, I've gotten so far away, I don't even know how to come back. I pray that they would know you'll put your banner over them and bring them back. And you're the God who will go to them if they'll come to you. So I pray for anyone now who needs to open their heart to you and commit their life to you and be yours completely. Right now, if you need to say yes to God either for the first time or to recommit, if you need to be freed from something that's got you in bondage, if you need some healing or a healing from hurt and pain, if you need freedom, if you need hope, pray this prayer and come to him. No matter where you are, when you're watching this, where you're sitting, pray this prayer. Say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me and you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and pain. I pray you'll free me from anything or anyone that's holding me down or holding me back. But most of all, I pray you'll make me yours. I pray you'll make me alive. And I pray you'll make me brand new. So I say yes to you. And if that's all you can say, say those words. I say yes. I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now. And make me yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen if you pray that prayer. And if you prayed that prayer and you're online right now, I want you to do something. God wants to shine a banner over you because he loves you and wants everybody to know that you belong to him. And he wants you to make it known too. So if you're watching online, text AMEN to 77247 if you prayed that prayer. Text AMEN to 77247. Find a way to do it. Find a way to let us know who you are so we could be somebody also that helps hold your arms up.
2: Thanks again for joining us. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we hope you'll text amen to 77247 so we can provide you with the resources to help you on this journey.
0: If this message resonated with you or you need prayer for something, would you let us know in the comments below? Our team reads every comment that comes through and we love interacting with you. If this message added value to your life, click the subscribe button and turn on post notifications so that you'll never miss out on a new message. We're live on Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. right here online and Sundays at 9 a.m.
2: and on-demand anytime after that. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.